The Rudy Giuliani Show. Today, Mike Wimbadichich, Rudy Giuliani, is uh, taking an extra day off for this long July 4th uh, celebration of our nation's birthday. Uh, he certainly has deserved it, having been campaigning for his son's uh, election uh, uh, in the Republican primary to become the gubernatorial candidate against uh, Kathy Hochul, uh, and in addition, fending off uh, uh, his nemesis, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, uh, who wanted the uh, Staten Island District Attorney to swear out a warrant for Rudy's arrest for filing a uh, uh, fake police report, uh, all of that nonsense. Uh, but it gives uh, the mayor an ob- opportunity to recharge his batteries and uh, yours truly, Curtis Lee, was here, uh, who uh, broadcasts uh, around the clock. But we're joined by a very, very special guest. If we couldn't have Rudy here calling in, the next best thing is to have his uh, son, Andrew Giuliani, who's just gone through a very grueling GOP campaign to become the gubernatorial candidate in New York State. Uh, thanks for joining your dad's program here, Andrew. Always a pleasure to be on with you and the WABC listeners. You know, it's uh, 4th of July weekend here starting up around uh, New York. And uh, as always, it's an honor to be with uh, who I believe should be the 110th mayor of the city of New York, Curtis Lewa. And especially looking at uh, what Mayor Adams has led us down into. uh, I think one of the things that I saw on the campaign trail more and more was uh, was hearing we, we want you to be the next governor. But more than anything is. Uh, if Curtis Lee was our mayor, we would not be in the situation where we're in, where crime is up 40 percent since Mayor Bill de Blasio. Tough to believe that since uh, and I'm going to quote you here, the dope from Park Slope, uh, <laughs> that we're actually in a in a worse place than we were in with Bill de Blasio. Now. Well, I would have advocated before you ran for governor that somehow you change your first name, because I got to I got to admit, I, along with so many other New Yorkers. It was like a knee-jerk reaction since for years we had to talk about Andrew Cuomo, that there is this, uh, on occasion, it's almost like it's almost like a, a slip of the lip where we refer to you, Andrew Giuliani, as Andrew Cuomo. Did you ever think in your life that maybe you wanted to get rid of that first name? You know, I got to tell you, we heard it petitioning time and time again. I had people that would come up and say to either me or my team and say, Andrew, absolutely not. And then they would take a step or two and they say, Andrew, who? Who did you say? Oh, Andrew Giuliani. I love him. (laughs) I will absolutely sign for him. I think you're right. And I think to me, that was one of the things that, uh, you know, and I said this in one of the debates right there that, you know, people said, well, you have a famous last name. I said, well, that may be true, but I have an infamous first name in a Republican primary over here. And to be a one of the leading candidates with a name like Andrew. You, you might be right, Curtis. I, I seeded your advice many a time, but uh, maybe that was that was the difference. <laughs> well, uh, now that you've been through the grueling campaign and having uh, myself been through the campaign to become mayor of the city of New York, uh, you have a newfound respect for anybody who runs for office, friend or foes, because it's grueling. It's around the clock. It's endless. One minute you're on a roller coaster ride, you have this enormous high, and then then the next thing you know, you have a it's a it's a crashing uh, uh, reality that takes place sometimes from day to day. What have you learned in this campaign, and uh, what do you think 
uh, it means for people like yourself, since you're on the young side, I'm like double your age, uh, for young men and women out there who are thinking themselves uh, for running for political office? Well, I think more than anything, I love New York before running, and I love New York even that much more now. I love the people of New York, and I, like you, Curtis, know that New York State, like New York City, has the potential always to be not just the greatest state or the greatest city in the world, but the greatest place in the world. I mean, we're not that far removed from New York being uh, being really the, the shining uh, the shining city on the hill, as, as Reagan ended up saying. I think if government gets out of the way, keeps New Yorkers safe, uh, does not overtax and overregulate businesses, uh, th- then I think New York's greatest days will be ahead of it. And I think that's really what I learned more than anything. But running for office, and, and you know, Curtis, uh, I, I've been seeing this since I was a little kid. I, as, as I said a couple times on the campaign trail, you know, I don't remember much from the 1989 campaign as I was three years old, but I do remember you playing stickball with uh, a young Rudy Giuliani out there, and, and and man, you were a heck of a stickball player. Um, but it has, it always has the potential to be that shining, shining city on the hill that we know it to be. And as long as you have a mayor and a governor that actually wants to make sure that they're rolling up their sleeves and doing the tough work, empowering our police to make sure they can be proactive again, rather than just spending time in the clubs until two or three o'clock in the morning or, or in the governor's case, uh, playing petty democratic politics, uh, then New York's greatest days will be ahead of it. But, uh, but you know, we're, we're going to have to make sure uh, that we have people that come on out to vote in order to do that. We saw in the Republican primary that 17 percent of registered Republicans came out to vote. If that's going to be the case in November, then unfortunately, we're not going to see the change that we need. We need to make sure that and look, it was a bruising campaign. Congressman Zeldin and I, we, we were at odds, certainly through through, um, through much time of it. I, in my concession speech, I said, I'll, I'll be pulling for you now, and, and that will absolutely be true. Uh, but we're going to need to see more than 17% of Republicans come out to vote uh, in order to get him over the finish line and see that kind of change that I think New Yorkers deserve. In fact, a little inside baseball on election night itself, when we began to tally the numbers in the war room, at the National uh, Republican Women's Club, and it was apparent uh, that you were losing the Congressman Lee Zeldin. You made a great call, a concession call to Lee, which I was privy to hear, and then you went out on the floor and made a great concession speech that everyone in the state could watch and hear uh, on their local affiliates. But I think everyone agreed in that war room that for Lee Zeldin to persevere against uh, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul in this general election, he must get more than 30 percent of the vote in New York City, which is a major task when you consider there are eight Democrats for every one Republican registered. And in fact, there are more independents now than there are Republicans. So uh, I know you made the pledge. I made the pledge and Rudy made the pledge. You won the city uh, vote against Lee Zeldin. So I think that can be extraordinarily helpful for Lee as he attempts to um, overcome a tremendous difference in the number of registered Democrats to uh, Republicans here in the five boroughs. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to be able to compete in New York City. If anybody looks at the state map and you see the red and the blue, you'll see in landmass in New York State, 80, 90 percent of New York State is red versus the blue in in New York City, and then obviously just in inner city Buffalo and inner city Rochester and inner city Albany, but they're all 
so small. You have to be able to compete in New York City. Uh, like you, Curtis, I, I was I was honored to be able to carry Staten Island, uh, also to be able to carry Brooklyn and Queens and 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 the Bronx as well at, at uh, all th- all four by double digits. Uh, and I told Lee, and, and you know, I when I spoke to him uh, before the campaign started, I told him very clearly. I said, "Hey, look, this is going to be like a brotherly squabble over here, but uh, after a year or so, we'll we'll be on the same page, whether I'm the nominee or you're the nominee." And I'll do whatever I can. And, and that remains the truth. I'm happy to go out to Staten Island where we'll be at the Travis Fourth of July Parade on Monday. I believe you'll be there with me, Curtis. And, and I'm always looking forward to that and going out to, uh, you know, my, my home away from home on the rock. Um, and uh, and more than anything, yes, he's got to compete. We've got to get 30, maybe even 33 percent of New York City in order to make sure uh, that he becomes the 58th governor of the state of New York. Oh, it's great that you're going to be at the Travis 4th of July parade, the longest running in the nation on Monday, because every year I'm there with the Guardian Angels and Mike McMahon, the Democrat uh, district attorney, is there, used to be congressman. Uh, he is now the district attorney. And the mayor here, Eric Adams, instead of dealing with the tremendous uh, rise in violent crime here, has decided that he wanted the saxophone man arrested at 34th Street, Herald Square, in the subway station, a guy I've known for five years, never never bothered anybody. <laughs> they had to drag him out. You know, the charro lady, the guava lady at uh, Broadway Junction, and your dad. He, wanted, he wants uh, Mike McMahon to take out a warrant for the arrest of your father for filing a false police report. You know, nobody, nobody has gone to Michael McMahon himself and said, hey, Hey, D.A. Mike, what you going to do? You're going to have a chance to approach him personally and settle this once and for all, Andrew. I mean, I, I, I like you, wish the mayor would actually focus on uh, criminals that are doing the job, not New York's uh, greatest crime fighter over here. But uh, maybe that's what they're recommending to him when he walks in uh, to the clubs at Zero Bond. Like, hey, go out with, uh, you know, go, go after Rudy Giuliani and we'll give you an extra, an extra bottle on the house over here. Uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to talking to District Attorney McMahon on Monday uh, on 4th of July and seeing. I mean, look, the truth is, and, and you and I know this, Curtis, is, as we saw the kind of warrior that, that, uh, that my father is, uh, he went 24-7 throughout this campaign and certainly the last month of the campaign and, and his knees and his back was in pain. So, uh, you know, when you have somebody that came up to him and, and whacked him on the back and then came around and and, uh, and called them all kind of names over here, uh, I, he, he was uh, he was in a little pain. So I, I understand that right there. To me, it's it's uh, it's a matter of very simply this, though. Uh, the mayor's got to do his job over here, Curtis. You know that. I know that. Uh, and New Yorkers know that. And that's why his approval rating is below 30 percent. We know that if Curtis Lee was mayor right now, we would have crime down 40 percent not up 40%. You might spend a little less time in the clubs, I will say, or out in the Hamptons, but you would certainly get crime down 40%. There's no doubt about that. Oh, I used to be the nightlife guy early on in my life. Those days have passed. I'm in the subways 24-7-365. On the line, Andrew Giuliani just coming off a successful campaign for himself because many people did not think he was ready for prime time. Young, had never run for political office before, was running in the gubernatorial uh, primary against very experienced, seasoned uh, officials, uh, men who had run for office, men who have served in office, the uh, winner, 
uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, uh, Rob Astorino, who had been Westchester County Executive, Harry Wilson, who 10 years ago uh, gave the controller of the state of New York uh, the fright of his life, almost beat him. So a very experienced field. You came out of that with uh, high ratings. You took the high road, uh, and you finished second in the Republican primary. Our numbers, if you'd like to talk with Andrew, substituting for his father, Rudy Giuliani, today, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. And when we come back, I want to describe for you the difference between father and son. As Andrew had mentioned, I campaigned for Rudy to be mayor in 1988 when he barely lost to Dinkins, 92 when he barely beat Dinkins, 96 uh, when he got reelected, when he ran for president, and then he returned the favor and campaigned for me for mayor against Eric Adams. But I want to describe personally the differences between the style, uh, the retail politics that is so important, especially when you don't have money, when you're running for office. And I know a lot of people out there are wondering, uh, Andrew, uh, when you come back, if you could give them some advice. How do you launch a campaign? How do you run for office? How do you stay politically active in a time in which people remain extraordinarily apathetic and indifferent, except during presidential years? Our number is one 800 America's Mayor, Rudy Giuliani. Not today. Michael Baricic, Rudy Giuliani, is uh, taking an extra day off for this long July 4th uh, celebration of our nation's birthday. Uh, he certainly has deserved it, having been campaigning for his son's uh, election uh, uh, in the Republican primary to become the gubernatorial candidate against uh, Kathy Hochul. Uh, and in addition, fending off uh, uh, his nemesis, uh, Mayor Eric Adams, uh, who wanted the uh, Staten Island District Attorney to swear out a warrant for Rudy's arrest for filing a uh, uh, fake police report, uh, all of that nonsense. Uh, but it gives uh, the mayor an ob- opportunity to recharge his batteries. And uh, yours truly, Curtis Lee, was here. Uh, who uh, broadcasts uh, around the clock. But we're joined by a very, very special guest. If we couldn't have Rudy here calling in, the next best thing is to have his uh, son, Andrew Giuliani, who's just gone through a very grueling GOP campaign to become the gubernatorial candidate in New York State. Uh, Thanks for joining your dad's program here, Andrew. It's always a pleasure to be on with you and the WABC listeners. You know, it's... uh, Fourth of July weekend here starting up around uh, New York. And uh, as always, it's an honor to be with uh, who I believe should be the 110th mayor of the city of New York, Curtis Lewa. And especially looking at uh, what Mayor Adams has led us down into, uh, I think one of the things that I saw on the campaign trail more and more was uh, was hearing we, we want you to be the next governor. But more than anything is uh, if Curtis Lee was our mayor, we would not be in the situation where we're in, where crime is up 40 percent since Mayor Bill de Blasio. Tough to believe that since uh, and I'm going to quote you here, the dope from Park Slope, uh, <laughs> that we're actually in a in a worse place than we were in with Bill de Blasio. Bill. Well, I would have advocated before you ran for governor that somehow you change your first name, because I got to I got to admit, I, along with so many other New Yorkers. It was like a knee-jerk reaction since for years we had to talk about Andrew Cuomo, that there is this, uh, on occasion, it's uh, almost like it's almost like uh, a slip of the lip 
where we refer to you, Andrew Giuliani, as Andrew Cuomo. Did you ever think in your life that maybe you wanted to get rid of that first name? You know, I got to tell you, we heard it petitioning time and time again. I had people that would come up and say to either me or my team and say, Andrew, absolutely not. And then they would take a step or two and they say, Andrew, who? Who did you say? Oh, Andrew Giuliani. I love him. (laughs) I will absolutely sign for him. I think you're right. And I think to me, that was one of the things that, uh, you know, and I said this in one of the debates right there that, you know, people said, well, you have a famous last name. I said, well, that may be true, but I have an infamous first name in a Republican primary over here. And to be uh, one of the leading candidates with a name like Andrew, you you might be right, Curtis. I I seeded your advice many a time, but uh, maybe that was that was the difference. (laughs) Well, uh, now that you've been through the grueling campaign and having uh, myself been through the campaign to become mayor of the city of New York, uh, you have a newfound respect for anybody who runs for office, friend or foes, because it's grueling. It's around the clock. It's endless. One minute you're on a roller coaster ride, you have this enormous high, and then then the next thing you know, you have a it's a it's a crashing uh, uh, reality that takes place sometimes from day to day. What have you learned in this campaign, and uh, what do you think uh, it means for people like yourself, since you're on the young side? I'm like double your age. Uh, for young men and women out there who are thinking themselves uh, for running for political office? Well, well, I think more than anything, I I love New York before running, and I love New York even that much more now. I love the people of New York, and and I, like you, Curtis, know that New York State, like New York City, has the potential always to be not just the greatest state or the greatest city in the world, but the greatest place in the world. I mean, we're, we're not that far removed from New York being uh, being really the, the shining uh, the shining city on the hill, as, as Reagan ended up saying. I think if government gets out of the way, keeps New Yorkers safe, uh, does not overtax and overregulate businesses, uh, th- then I think New York's greatest days will be ahead of it. And I think that's really what I learned more than anything. But running for office, and, and you know, Curtis, uh, I, I've been seeing this since I was a little kid. I, as, as I said a couple times on the campaign trail, you know, I don't remember much from the 1989 campaign as I was three years old, but I do remember you playing stickball with uh, a young Rudy Giuliani out there. And, and, and man, you were a heck of a stickball player. Um, but it has it always has the potential to be that shining, shining city on the hill that we know it to be. And as long as you have a mayor and a governor that actually wants to make sure that they're rolling up their sleeves and doing the tough work, empowering our police to make sure they can be proactive Again, rather than just spending time in the clubs until two or three o'clock in the morning or, or in the governor's case, uh, playing petty democratic politics, uh, the, the New York's greatest days will be ahead of it. But uh, but, you know, we're, we're going to have to make sure uh, that we have people that come on out to vote in order to do that. We saw in the Republican primary that 17 percent of registered Republicans came out to vote. If that's going to be the case in November, then unfortunately, we're not going to see the change that we need. We need to make sure that and look, it was a bruising campaign. Congressman Zeldin and I, we we were at odds certainly through through um, through much time of it. Uh, in my concession speech, I said I'll, I'll be pulling for you now, and, and that will absolutely be true. Uh, but we're going to need to see more than seventeen percent of Republicans come out to vote uh, in order to get him over the finish line and see that kind of change that I think New Yorkers deserve. In fact, a little inside baseball on election night itself, when we began to tally the numbers in the war room at the National uh, Republican Women's Club, and it was apparent 
that you were losing the Congressman Lee Zeldin. You made a great call, a concession call to Lee, which I was privy to hear, and then you went out on the floor and made a great concession speech that everyone in the state could watch and hear uh, on their local affiliates. But I think everyone agreed in that war room that for Lee Zeldin to persevere against uh, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul in this general election, he must get more than 30 percent of the vote in New York City, which is a major task when you consider there are eight Democrats for every one Republican registered. And in fact, there are more independents now than there are Republicans so uh, I know you made the pledge, I made the pledge, and Rudy made the pledge. You won the city uh, vote against Lee Zeldin. So I think that can be extraordinarily helpful for Lee as he attempts to um, overcome that tremendous difference in the number of registered Democrats to uh, Republicans here in the five boroughs. Yeah, and you're absolutely right. I mean, you have to be able to compete in New York City if Anybody looks at the state map and you see the red and the blue, you'll see in landmass in New York State, 80, 90 percent of New York State is red versus the blue in, in New York City. And then obviously just in inner city Buffalo and inner city Rochester and inner city Albany. But they're all so small. You have to be able to compete in New York City. Uh, like you, Curtis, I, I was I was honored to be able to carry Staten Island, uh, also to be able to carry Brooklyn and Queens and, and, and the Bronx as well, at, at, uh, all, th- all four by double digits. Uh, and I told Lee, and, and you know, we, I, when I spoke to him uh, before the campaign started, I told him very clearly, I said, hey, look, this is going to be like a brotherly squabble over here, but uh, after a year or so, we'll, we'll be on the same page, whether I'm the nominee or you're the nominee, and I'll do whatever I can, and, and that remains the truth. I'm happy to go out to Staten Island where we'll be at the Travis Fourth of July Parade on Monday. I believe you'll be there with me, Curtis, and, and I'm always looking forward to that and going out to, uh, you know, my, my home away from home on the rock. Um, and uh, and more than anything, yes, he's got to compete. We've got to get 30, maybe even 33 percent of New York City in order to make sure uh, that he becomes the 58th governor of the state of New York. Oh, that's great that you're going to be at the Travis Fourth of July parade, the longest running in the nation on Monday, because... Every year I'm there with the Guardian Angels and Mike McMahon, the Democrat uh, district attorney, is there. used to be congressman. Uh, He is now the district attorney. And the mayor here, Eric Adams, instead of dealing with the tremendous uh, rise in violent crime here, has decided that he wanted the saxophone man arrested at 34th Street, Herald Square, in the subway station, a guy I've known for five years, never never bothered anybody. <laughs> they had to drag him out. You know, the charro lady, the guava lady at uh, Broadway Junction, and your dad. He, wanted, he wants uh, Mike McMahon to take out a warrant for the arrest of your father for filing a false police report. You know, nobody, nobody has gone to Michael McMahon himself and said, hey, Hey, D.A. Mike, what you going to do? You're going to have a chance to approach him personally and settle this once and for all, Andrew. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 like you, wish the mayor would actually focus on uh, criminals that are doing the job, not New York's uh, greatest crime fighter over here. But uh, maybe that's what they're recommending to him when he walks in uh, to the clubs at Zero Bomb. Like, hey, go out with, uh, you know, go, go after Rudy Giuliani and we'll give you an extra, an extra bottle on the house over here. Uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to talking to District Attorney McMahon on Monday. 
uh, on 4th of July and seeing. I mean, look, the truth is, and, and you and I know this, Curtis, as, as we saw the kind of warrior that that, uh, that my father is, uh, he went 24-7 throughout this campaign and certainly the last month of the campaign and, and his knees and his back was in pain. So, uh, you know, when you have somebody that came up to him and, and whacked them on the back and then came around and and, uh, and called them all kind of names over here, uh, I, he, he was uh, he was in a little pain. So I, I understand that right there. To me, it's it's uh, it's a matter of very simply this, though. Uh, the mayor's got to do his job over here, Curtis. You know that. I know that. Uh, and New Yorkers know that. And that's why his approval rating is below 30 percent. We know that if Curtis Lee was mayor right now, we would have crime down 40 percent, not up 40 percent. You might spend a little less time in the clubs, I will say, or out in the Hamptons. But you would certainly get crime down 40%. There's no doubt about that. Oh, I used to be the nightlife guy early on in my life. Those days have passed. I'm in the subways 24-7-365. On the line, Andrew Giuliani just coming off a successful campaign for himself because many people did not think he was ready for prime time. Young, had never run for political office before, was running in the gubernatorial primary against very experienced, seasoned uh, officials, a uh, man who had run for office, men who have served in office, the uh, winner, uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin, uh, Rob Astorino, who had been Westchester County Executive, Harry Wilson, who 10 years ago uh, gave the controller of the state of New York uh, the fright of his life, almost beat him. So a very experienced field. You came out of that with uh, high ratings. You took the high road uh, and you finished second in the Republican primary. Our numbers, if you'd like to talk with Andrew, substituting for his father, Rudy Giuliani, today, 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-9222. And when we come back, I want to describe for you the difference between father and son. As Andrew had mentioned, I campaigned for Rudy to be mayor in 1988 when he barely lost to Dinkins, 92 when he barely beat Dinkins, 96 uh, when he got reelected when he ran for president, and then he returned the favor and campaigned for me for mayor against Eric Adams. But I want to describe personally the differences between the style, uh, the retail politics that is so important, especially when you don't have money, when you're running for office. And I know a lot of people out there are wondering, uh, Andrew, uh, when you come back, if you could give them some advice. How do you launch a campaign? How do you run for office? How do you stay politically active in a time in which people remain extraordinarily apathetic and indifferent, except during presidential years. Our numbers one 9222 Rudy Giuliani. Rudy Giuliani on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Not today. I'm Rudy Skumbadichich, Curtis Sliwa, as we take you to the four o'clock hour. But substituting for Rudy today, who's getting an extra day that he can use to recharge his batteries. He's been going 24-7-365. It's his son, Andrew, uh, who's just off the campaign trail. He had a very successful campaign to try to become the GOP nominee to take on Governor Kathy Hochul, but lost to Congressman Lee, Congressman Lee Zeldin. But by all accounts, came out of it uh, with a stellar performance, uh, taking the high road. But as I was telling everybody, Andrew, right before the break, uh, you proved in my eyes that you uh, had the right stuff when in the midst of all those supreme cuisines, those Italian stallions and the Italian cuisinettes, on July 11, 2021, hot, sweltering heat, 18th Avenue and Bensonhurst packed 
and a lot of Gabons there, Jadrules, knuckle draggers, guys that your father had put away from the Gambinos, the Genovese, Lucchese's, Bananos, and Colombos, they controlled the microphone, and somehow you convinced them to give you the microphone, and you riffed at the crowd, and they went Giuliani wild. You know, the thing that was amazing throughout this campaign trail is I can't tell you, probably six, seven, eight times, Curtis, where people came up to me or people that were working on the staff that had said, you know what, your father put my uncle or your father put my cousin in jail. Your father put my father in jail even. Remember, there was one instance for that. And I got to tell you, all but one of them said, but we're voting for him. And I'll tell you why, because we know he was doing his job and he was doing a good job just like he did a great job as mayor. He did a great job with that. And it's no hard feelings. We know it's not personal. It's just business, as they say in The Godfather right there. Now, as for jumping in there, Curtis, I don't know if that shows that I got guts or if I just might not be the uh, the smartest, uh, the smartest, uh, sharpest tack in the box there, we'll say, because as you recount that right there, considering, uh, I don't know if that was the exact smart thing to do, the right tactical move, but I will tell you, I was overcome with emotion when Italy was able to win the European Cup. I remember as a kid in 1994 when Roberto Baggio and the Italian team came on into the World Cup in 1994, took the United States by storm and actually made it right into the finals, almost winning the World Cup. And ever since then, obviously, I pulled for my USA. But as we know, USA soccer is uh, not really comparable with Italy. So it generally ends up being Italy who I'm pulling for. So when well, they won, uh, I figured it put every all differences aside to celebrate the Italian victory. Well, it shows you the difference between you and I. I hate that fake, phony, fraudulent <laughs> soccer they spell with a U, kickball, kickball. <laughs> but I was on... Uh, the roof of the Gorbachev Hotel with the Guardian Angels in Moscow. That night, when Italy had the kickoff with Brazil, and Brazil pulled it out, and there were some Italian engineers on the roof, you know, for them, it's live and die. And one of them jumped off and died and crashed into the cement downstairs in Moscow. They have no cops. So he had to try to revive the poor guy who was dead on arrival all over the stupid game of soccer. Well, you know, I remember that World Cup. You had the Colombian guy who I think kicked it in his own goal, and he went down there, and a couple days later he was uh, he was done, and it wasn't because he committed suicide. It's because they, uh, they, they sent him, uh, he slept with the fishes. We'll put it that way. Uh, you know, look, I, I think more than anything, and getting back to the campaign trail over here, the thing for me is I love people, and I love being with people. I love talking to them. I love listening to them. I love trying to figure out how to solve these problems, at which we know the problems that we have in Curtis. I know you know it so well, and, and I know it's what drives you, your love of people. It's what you know, it's what drove you throughout this mayoral run. It's what's driven you through 43 years in, in building the Guardian Angels to an incredible organization that has been out there to help people. Uh, and, and that's why I know, as mayor, you would have, you would have cleaned this city up in no time right here, and that's why uh, you truly are New York's guardian angel, Curtis. And that's, uh, that's, that's, the, that's the love that you have for New York, for the city, for its people. Now, well, what I've told a lot of aspiring young men and women, whether they want to run as Republicans, independents, or Democrats, because I'm encouraging them not just to vote but to participate, and especially if they're Republicans, to follow what Andrew Giuliani did because there were a lot of neighborhoods – you might have avoided because of the potential hostility 
Uh, and you went into neighborhoods uh, where the only Republican they had seen, they had ever seen, was Abraham Lincoln on a $5 bill. And you were well received. And I think that's what Republicans have to understand. They can't limit the places that they go and the people that they speak to just because they think they're going to get a hostile reaction. I couldn't agree anymore, Curtis. And that's uh, really I saw that from you. Uh, And to me, this is something that I think the Republican Party is the big tent party now. I think you'll look at uh, what we saw in the 2020 presidential. I think what we saw in the 2016 presidential, I think where you were able to win inroads and win actually the Asian New York vote for the first time, I think, ever for a Republican in New York City. We're seeing more and more people interested in the idea of actually, oh, my goodness, allowing our cops to be proactive and broken windows police. We're having more and more people that are interested in the ideas of making sure that we have a gifted and talented program in New York and making sure that parents have more choices in improving, increasing the number of charter schools. The same thing from an economic standpoint. We want our government to be efficient and effective for us. And unfortunately, what we've seen with so many Democrats over the years in New York is just tax and spend to a place where there is no more efficiency. And that's why, to me, some of these neighborhoods that we would not think would traditionally go Republican, I think we're going to see more and more New Yorkers. As long as you have Republican candidates that are willing to go into these neighborhoods, I think you're going to have more and more New Yorkers that you traditionally would not think vote Republican start doing that. But that means, as you said, Curtis, you need to have people with the guts and the knowledge to be able to go into these areas and try to present the message. That's what it's all about. All right. Let's tap into your expertise. You worked for President Donald Trump at the time at the White House. You were in and out on a regular basis. Uh, The uh, person who just uh, gave testimony the other day, a surprise witness, nobody had known about her or that she would make an appearance. They scheduled an extra day, unexpected day. Cassidy Hutchinson. Uh, Do you remember her in the White House? Do you remember seeing her? Do you remember what her job uh, description was? I do. Cassidy scheduled for Mark Meadows, who was the chief of staff. Now, uh, I can tell you when she was giving that uh, her testimony, uh, I wasn't watching it as it was the uh, final hours of the campaign. And we were trying to get out as much of the vote. So I still haven't sat down and watched that entire testimony. But I think I've kind of seen the highlights or what I might call the the lowlights of the testimony. She was in the White House and and having known President Trump, I can believe uh, that he was upset when the Secret Service told him uh, that he could not go up to the Capitol. But what I do not believe, and, and knowing what the beast looks like and knowing the president for a long time, is that he would ever lunge at the Secret Service in the way Uh, that she said that. First, it's very difficult in that vehicle. I don't imagine how he would even physically do it. And secondly, this is a man who absolutely loved the Secret Service. He loved his police. He actually ended up bringing in his longtime NYPD uh, bodyguard who came in to the White House on him and gave him a different role in there. And the gentleman that she ended up talking about, Tony Ornato, who was the uh, deputy chief of staff, basically the director of operations. He was involved with the president, the Secret Service, moving all around. This is a guy who actually retired from the Secret Service, from the president's detail, and the president brought him back and promoted him to be the deputy chief of staff because he had that much love for him. And I can tell you, in looking at the back and forth between the Secret Service and the president, uh, and you could even see this in, in kind of some of the 
things that the Secret Service would admit in, in the quiet moments. Uh, they love President Trump, and, and I, I find it very, very difficult to believe that there was ever any physical movement toward the Secret Service from President Trump. Well, thank you for that clarification, because we've heard from some people who have said Cassidy uh, Hutchinson was nothing more than somebody who would fetch coffee. Uh, others uh, who have said, oh, no, no, high ranking uh, with Mark Meadows at the time. Uh, but you've established she was in the White House. But this Tony Orlando, who she says she heard this from, she herself never heard it directly from the president. Right or the Secret Service in question that she was referring to, she claimed this all came about when Tony Orlando told her specifically what he had experienced, what he had heard. And to me, Curtis, this is where having minority representation on this committee is so important, right? When you look at the fact that McCarthy was not allowed to appoint any of the Republicans that he chose, the only two Republicans being the ones that Pelosi signed off as, on uh, Kinzinger and Cheney, of course. But I think this is where this Cassidy Hutchinson deserves a cross-examination, right? One thing that she would always preface everything was with was to the effect of. Now, that's another layer of protection for the witness right there. If you actually had minority representation where you have, let's say, a Jim Jordan, who I know was supposed to be appointed to this via McCarthy, then you'd actually be able to get some of the questions that I think would be so important that we could cut through some of this hearsay that we've been seeing, unfortunately. But then again, this is why this, in, in my approximation and just reading through the House rules, uh, this committee is an invalid committee because the minority does not have any representation. The other day in the New York Times, the old gray lady article after article suggesting that Democrat after Democrat are deciding that it's time for President Joe Biden to go to pack it up or at least say uh, specifically he's not running for another term. But then likewise, on the Republican side, we see a growing number of uh, Republicans, uh, talk show commentators, talk show hosts on television and radio, suggesting that with everything that is going to surround Donald Trump, if he tries for a second time to become president of the United States, that maybe it's uh, better to step aside and leave it to the new Jacks, DeSantis in Florida, uh, I don't know if you're aware of him, if you've ever met with him, uh, or maybe Cotton in Arkansas or some of the other candidates. Uh, uh, what do you feel now that Republicans are actually contemplating the fact of life without uh, Donald Trump in the next election cycle? You know, I think obviously the midterms are going to be a big indicator in that and see where it is, see where some of the endorsements end up coming through, where it doesn't. Uh, see exactly where the poll is. And obviously, as many people know, I'm biased, having worked four years for President Trump. I think he did a spectacular job in the White House. But I also look at what DeSantis is doing down in Florida, and I think he's making all the right moves, something that I think uh, would be great if more and more Republican and Democratic governors copied more of what he was doing. One of the big things that I would say on the campaign trail is talking directly about the Parental Rights and Education Act. And even though he was taking such heat, it really is at its core, something that's so important, it establishes the parent as the primary stakeholder in the child's education. So I think it's going to be very interesting to see post-midterms if President Trump does hop in this race. And if he does hop in this race, Curtis, whether or not DeSantis decides to get in this race. I know that there's been a lot of money 
going to Ron DeSantis recently, and it, it would not surprise me if if they both ended up taking each other on in a Republican primary, which talk about some fireworks, Curtis. We could certainly see a whole lot if that's the case. And then uh, also many Republicans have started to publicly say, you know, it's time for the former president, Donald Trump, and your father, his personal attorney, to stop talking about the stolen election, what transpired in the count uh, that followed the campaign versus uh, then-President uh, uh, Donald Trump and uh, former Vice President Joe Biden. Uh, what would you say to uh, those listening out here who are sort of scratching their heads and wondering if it's a time to basically put that aside as a chapter of election history? Well, I think more than anything, I think you have people that want answers. And, Curtis, I I would look at this when I look at the last two presidential elections. You have over 85 percent of Americans that questioned one of the last two presidential elections, which means we're not in a very solid place right now. The next time there's going to be a close election, which could very well be in 2024. Uh, So for me, what what I would want to see, and this is what I've pushed for for a very long time, is voter identification in all 50 states. I don't believe in federalizing elections, but I believe every single state uh, should actually come out there and say, hey, 80 percent of Americans believe in voter ID. We should establish voter ID. I believe in paper ballots. And I think until you end up having that, and I also believe in limiting voting to election day, unless there is a reason that you are going to be out of state. I can tell you and admit to to, uh, the audience that I have voted via absentee ballot. When I was working down in Washington, D.C., I would get an absentee ballot. But I had a reason to do that. We need to make sure we're limiting it so that way people feel feel, uh, secure knowing that their vote is not getting diluted. This is the Rudy Giuliani show. He has taken off today. Definitely needed it to recharge his batteries. He's been going 24-7-365 as we now work our way into America's birthday, uh, Independence Day, July 4th. When we return with his son, Andrew Giuliani, we have to talk about a unexpected victory that took place in New York State that bodes well for states across America when Democrats utilize their legislative ability to give uh, illegal aliens an opportunity to vote in local municipal elections. And that all came about through unity and solidarity in the midst of a very bitter, at times, GOP campaign in New York State to take on uh, crime wave Kathy Holcomb. That's Rudy Giuliani. America's mayor. The mayor of New York City. On the Red Apple Podcast Network. Yeah, I wish, Chris Libertini, I wish I would have been the mayor of the city, but it's Eric Adams. I lost to him fair and square. But these mayor's final thoughts are sponsored by the Tunnel to Towers Foundation. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at the letter T, the number 2, the letter T, dot org. That's t 2 t Org. And on the line uh, with us again in, in our continuation as we substitute for Mayor Rudy Giuliani is his son, Andrew Giuliani. Quick question, Andrew. It has to do with all these uh, reports on sharks. Uh, apparently there was a, uh, a big white that attacked uh, a couple down on the Florida beaches. They're now headed towards Cape Cod and Martha's Vineyard, proving that these big whites uh, – 
uh, actually uh, do not uh, have a uh, global positioning system that says attack only Democrats or Republicans. What would you suggest to everybody in this hot, sweltering heat as it seems like it's Jaws 3 all over again? I guess be the faster swimmer, I guess, is what I would suggest over here. If you're going to get in there with the great whites, I actually am going to take a, a couple of days with my wife on the beach after this campaign. And, and uh, I guess I'll just make sure that I'm going only knee high over here. If that's if that's the case, we've got to watch out for the uh, for, for the Jaws of the world. We don't need a uh, a Jaws uh, rerun in 2022 over here. Well, I, know, I noticed that there is a special session in Albany as we speak. All the legislators, Democrats and Republicans have been summoned back over the July 4th weekend by uh, the uh, governor, Kathy Holcomb. Uh, and they're dealing with the restrictions where guns can be carried in public should people qualify to get a concealed uh, gun license. I'm sorry, Curtis, you cut out there again. Say that one more time. My apologies. Oh, no problem. Uh, So unlike calling a special legislative session up in Albany to deal with the no-cash bail that is fueling the violent crime rise across New York State, uh, all the legislators were summoned by the governor to set up restrictions where legal guns can be carried in public. For instance, they're saying... You can't carry uh, guns in parks, schools, mass transit. A business must put up a sign. We welcome you if you are carrying a handgun. I've suggested that uh, businesses be able to put up a sign. If you loot, we shoot. So don't bother coming into our store. But imagine they're being summoned back over the July 4th weekend to restrict legal law-abiding gun carriers but we're never summoned back for a special session to deal with no cash bail. Curtis, this has been the problem in the entire conversation in all of this. This has all been about going after Second Amendment rights and even Kathy Oakle talking about going after First Amendment rights as well, instead of actually doing what's so important, going after cashless bail, as you talked about, giving judges more discretion or discretion, I should say, at all to make sure that we lock up dangerous criminals. I mean, when you look at the fact that we had somebody who literally last week, after 50 times this year, 122 times getting arrested, commits another crime and then ends up getting a desk appearance ticket. We've we've totally lost the conversation on this over here. So oh, I mean, this has oh, to be- oh, 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 hold on. Hold on. I, I got to preempt you right here, Andrew Giuliani. My padron is on the line. Your father, Rudy Giuliani. Rudy. Curtis, you guys did a great show except for one thing. The last comment that people are saying we should forget the stolen election, then we should forget America. You want to forget America? Forget the stolen election. You want to cave in to the Democratic crooks? You want to be a rhino that just sits down, puts their head down and says, oh, it doesn't matter that you stole an election. They're going to steal it again, Curtis, and again and again and make us what they want us to be which is a socialist, communist country controlled by one party, the Democratic Party. Go look at, go look at their bill for how to conduct presidential elections. That's the way you conducted presidential elections in the Soviet Union. Any Republican that wants to cave in to the stolen election should go join the other political party. Well, and this is and this is why you need voter identification. This is why you need to make sure 
hey, you're doing everything to push it. No, this is why you have to take over. This is why Andrew, 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 this Andrew. They'll 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 cheat with well they'll cheat with voter identification. This is why you put criminals in prison to stop crime. Stealing elections is a crime. They stole that election. They should be brought to justice and they should be put in prison. And it won't happen again. You want it to happen and, again? And it should never happen again. This is this is something we but need to make sure one way you have, it you have all again. voters that come on out and they have full trust and transparency in our elections. And as I highlighted before, 85 percent of voters not, have not trusted. When I hear a Republican tell me a tragedy. we should move on. When I hear a Republican say we should move on and forget about 2020, I hear a Republican that is a traditional 30-year rhino who's one of the reasons our country has lost about three-quarters of its rights. Oh, Mr. Mayor, Mr. Mayor, uh, thank you for coming in because if you notice, <laughs> I stayed quiet. It was a family affair right there. I will highlight very simply on this that there was uh, one candidate in the, uh, in the debates uh, I know there was. He believed it was you. President Trump had won. And so for me, this is uh, obviously something that I think is very important that we have secure elections uh, moving forward, because if we don't, then we're not going to be able to trust this. And, and I look at my daughter and I want to make sure she has elections. Well, let me just thank uh, Rudy Giuliani for coming in at the last second, because the mayor's final thoughts are sponsored each and every Rudy Giuliani program by the Great Tunnel to Towers Foundation. You can make your donation to T, the number two, the letter T, dot org. And show your patriotic pride on July 4th. Come out to the Travis Annual Staten Island Parade. You'll see me and Andrew side by side. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.